Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Classroom 33 podcast. I'm Pastor Dustin here, as always, with Steve Prudian. And uh, today we are again jumping ahead a little bit in Job, and we are going to chapter 38. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm fine. I would like to say the reason we're jumping ahead, Yep. and I mentioned this last week, is, is that Sunday school season is coming to a close, and I always like to save the best for last, and so does God. Mm-hmm. So subsequently, I've picked the best chapters for the last few weeks we have in May. But I've picked them because of the fact that a lot of people have read them and overlooked their spiritual teaching and importance. So you may find that this part of Job may strike you a little bit strange today. It very well may. And uh, yeah, thank you for the explanation on that. It's always good to know the why. But wait, we don't always get to know the why. Which brings us to Job chapter 38. God talks to Job. And living by faith is what? Believing in things we don't see and don't understand. Living without the why. Living without the why. All right, so God shows up in a whirlwind. Yeah, he does. But he's shown up before Mm -hmm. in very physical ways. He has. Can you tell me some ways that you can remember that God has shown up in physical ways that you wouldn't expect to get a voice out of? Uh, The burning bush comes to mind. Okay. Um, there's, uh, There's a time when he encounters... Elijah Elijah counters the voice of God as a still, small wind. Was that a whirlwind? It was not a whirlwind. But was there a whirlwind? There was a whirlwind. There was. But, but there God was, wasn't in the whirlwind there, that time. There, there was no voice in that whirlwind. No. No, he's been a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire. Um, he wrestled in a physical form with Jacob. He walked with Abraham. He walked Who, in the garden with Adam and Eve. Okay, I want you to stop at the garden with Adam and Eve. All right. What kind of a relationship did he have with Adam and Eve? Personal one. So what do you think the tone of his voice was when he talked to them? Calm, friendly, loving. When he had to go find them because they were hiding, do you think God changed the tone of his voice? Probably. To what degree do you think? I think... I think it probably was more of a sad and disappointed voice that uh, that said, Adam, where are you? Where have you gone? Why are you hiding? Was it a chastising voice? Or was it more of a loving voice of question? I would say a loving voice of question. Now, maybe a little bit more chastising when he when we get into Genesis 3 and he's telling them what happens now. This is what happens now. You're going to work and it's going to be labor. That could be Eve, called... Eve, you're going to have childbirth pains. The serpent, you're going to get destroyed. That could become a declarative voice. Yeah. 
okay, which has a little stronger emphasis. Right. Where in the New Testament do we see God having a physical presence with his voice? Uh, we see it in the baptism okay, and, of Jesus, and, and we what, see it in the transfiguration. Okay, what was the visibility? What was the visual thing of God's appearance? The uh, Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. Like a dove, yep. right. Okay. Was there any question who was speaking? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. Okay. You mentioned the transfiguration, which I didn't bring up. Right. Okay. But again, what was said? The same thing. The same <laughs> this thing. is my son with whom I am well pleased. Okay. In this particular case, mm -hmm. define who the witnesses were. For the transfiguration? Uh-huh. That would be Simon, Peter, James, and John. Mm-hmm. Who else? The big three. There's two more characters There's that could testify to this statement. Well, Christ was there as well, but I think you're referring to Moses and Elijah. That's exactly right. Yep. So, since we have established the fact that God can speak verbally mm -hmm. on earth where men hear God's voice. Yep. Could Job verbally hear God's voice? Oh, absolutely. Could Job actually have a conversation with God? Yes. The precedent is set in... Exodus, with Moses in his conversation with God through the burning bush. Do you remember one of the, you could call it a prayer request of Job, but it was a request of Job mm -hmm. that he had for God. Do you remember the challenge that Job gave to God while he was sick and tired of talking to his friend Bildad? We talked about it last week. <laughs> What did, how did yep. that end? He says, he says, God, tell me what I've done wrong. His, his challenge to God is to point out his sin, his shortcoming, the reason for his suffering. Well, to bring you back to actual, the qualifiers of this, Job said to Bildad, Mm -hmm. I'm done talking to you guys. I'm going to take my concerns yep. right to God. And so now he makes an address. And he says, okay. He says, God, he says, I'll ask you some questions and you can answer me. Or you can ask the questions and I will answer you. Yep. So now we're in chapter 38. Okay, and this has been going on the chapter before in chapter 37. It's just a different subject matter. It yep. will go on into chapter 39, different subject matter, okay? But it is the middle phase of God speaking to Job, and he's asking Job, what do you have to say about this? Invariably, the kinds of questions that God asks of Job, there is no credible answer on Job's part. No, there's not. And why do you think God would be asking questions by illustrating who he is and what he's done 
in the absence of Job's presence for Job to be able to have any kind of an answer. Well, it gets, it gets a little theologically technical to answer that question thoroughly. Um, but I think in order to keep it accessible, um, God is asking Job these questions and the only, the only response that Job can have is, I wasn't there, I don't know, I don't know, I was nowhere, I didn't exist. Because the intent, I think part of the intent behind it is so that Job's going to understand at the end of this that his life, in a lot of ways, he's a speck. In the cosmos, he's a speck. In the timeline of, of creation, he's a speck. And although this moment is significant to him, there are works at play that are so much bigger and unfathomable, impossible for him to comprehend or understand. And so he's really, well, he, he calls Job ignorant right at the beginning, or rather infers his ignorance, and then he's going to prove it. <laughs> When you're hurting, mm -hmm. what do you focus on? Me. I've actually had it described, and you might like this, as looking through the keyhole of your pain. You know, old doors have a pass-through keyhole. And you could look through that keyhole, but you could only see what that keyhole reveals to you. That's a very narrow sight. It is a very narrow sight. It's a very narrow field of view, whereas if you're able to step back and recognize that you're looking through a keyhole, you can open the door, and now you can see the whole picture. It's hard to imagine God as a loving God who cares for me at the same time that I'm praying that the pain that I have be relieved of. Mm -hmm. But instead of the pain going away, it becomes greater. Right. And in many ways, we are like Job when we are in pain or we are disturbed or we are discouraged. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because we sit and we say, where is God? Where is God? Would you do a takeoff? Would you read on the sheet I gave you about yep. God knew Satan and let's talk about God knowing Satan. Not okay. that we're going to give Satan any credibility, but let's talk about God knowing Satan. Right. So God knew Satan had been very hard on Job 
God knows that Job's friends are irritating. And he knows about these instances in our life as well. And sometimes we forget that God is right here in the middle of it with us. The most important example in Job is the limit God puts on Satan. I think that's important all around for us to remember that God has put limits on Satan's power. So Satan can't take Job's life. And God has limits on those of us who belong to Jesus. Which is? Eternal life. Eternal life. Does that mean we go through life as Christians without any pain? No. Does that mean we have no suffering? No. And there's nothing in the Bible that tells us that. There's nothing in the Bible that, in the proper context and understanding, even infers that our life will be without hardship. I mean, just look at God's chosen people. They had all sorts of hardship. And they were God's specifically chosen people. Is there a need to pray? Absolutely. And what gives us the greatest need to pray besides it's commanded? What gives us the greatest need to pray? Um, I think just growing that relationship with God. Somet sometimes, Dustin, okay. I know the, the, not the scientific, but the religious formula of how to go to the Lord in prayer. Okay. But sometimes the pain shouts out mm -hmm. and it screams, okay, without any time of greeting or salutation to God. Right. And normally, when I'm in a lot of pain, I confess to the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And my confession is this. I don't really feel real good today. I got this pain, and it's like, and it's like a sword <laughs> sticking me in my side. Yep. And I really want to spend some time and pray with you, but I got this irritation. Mm-hmm. So why don't we acknowledge this irritation and you take care of it and then we can continue our conversation? Yeah. <laughs> guess me how guess how often I get an instant response. Oh, I would I would say frequently. What kind of response do you think I get? Quit complaining. Do it anyway. <laughs> yep. Just do it. <laughs> Okay, and the question is, is how do you pray when you're distracted? It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to pray distracted. But what does prayer do to that distraction? It helps alleviate it. It, it, push, it, it. pushes it to the side. Yep. Temporarily, it pushes it to the side. Things may not be anything better circumstantially. Things may not be better physically. However... When you pray, you pray on this earth and on this plane. Mm -hmm. But your prayer, prayers of being heard and responded to in another plane and 
in God's world. And in God's world, the pain that you're experiencing, he also realizes mm -hmm. and he empathizes with it. But the reality is, is, is he still wants you to talk to him through your pain yep. because he becomes more relevant through your pain than if you had no pain. Right. Ever experienced that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad that I don't like it when I feel my humanity. Right. But sometimes I need to be reminded of my humanity mm -hmm. because it's trying, it's, it, what God tries to do sometimes is he tries to slow me down because I'll get going and when I get going, I look like a squirrel chasing his tail. I think I'm getting somewhere, but I'm getting nowhere. Right. Yeah. 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 So, I would say, Dustin, no matter what happens to us in this life, God has our life in his hands. Yes, he does. Now, if we believe in him, he has our life in his hands. Yep. If we don't believe in him, he still has our life in his hands. He does. But he has told us, you choose me, this is what I've done for you. You cannot choose me, and this is what I have for you. Right. And the reality is, is we're going to get to that, this hopefully, as we're discussing today, the spiritual aspect of one of the declarations of God. Okay. And it's it's the verse about light and darkness. Do you see that anywhere on your sheet? Uh, Job 38, 19 through 21. Okay. Why don't you read that, and let's see whether or not we can get some disagreement on our podcast. All right. Let's see if we can. I don't know that we're going to. Um, I already right. got disagreement on it this morning. <laughs> You did get disagreement? Yeah, I spoke to my wife, who's God. <laughs> Shh! All right. 3819, where does light come from and where does darkness go? Can you take each to, it ho to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this, for you were born before it was all created, and you are so very experienced. That's a little, uh, it almost reads sarcastic, doesn't it? A little allegorical. It's a little allegorical. But... Right. I call it ironic speech. Yep. Yep. I, think, I would agree. I think that if you read this, you'd have to hear the chuckle in God's questions. Because he knows there is no answer. So he's chuckling the whole way. Right. Well... Sometimes, sometimes kids, our children, need to be told what they don't know. And that's just what God's doing. 
And he's putting someone in their, his place. He is definitely putting he's him. He's putting someone in his place. But definitely putting him in his place. But let's talk about the spiritual. First, the physical part of that question and the spiritual coincidence with those statements. You have it on your sheet, by the way. Okay. You don't have to figure this one out. So I'm... I'm looking at other I'm looking at other things here and getting myself distracted. We just talked about that, right? Uh-huh. Um so you're talking about our double meaning. Right. And I was doing my study out of the ASV, by the okay. way, okay, which shines a little different light on that particular verse. Right. Which I don't have the ASV American Standard Version on my list. It's not one of my six here. I actually read it out of the CSB, the uh, Christian Standard, which reads pretty much the same as the New Living, which is what I read. Anyways, um, so it's double meaning, right? Mm -hmm. This is, we know that this is allegorical. It has a double meaning to it mm -hmm. because... Not all the questions do. Not all the questions that God presents to Job have double meanings. Uh, and if they do, they're not understandable by this us. This one has a definitive double meaning. Well, it's like you said with the ironic speech, or it almost reads as being sarcastic. That that kind of tells us that there's a double meaning here, because God isn't going to actually be sarcastic to Job, because that the intent behind that kind of sarcasm would be hurtful. Right. And we know that's not the case. So when it reads as sarcastic or that ironic speech, we we have to look deeper into it. Mm -hmm. Because what's on the face isn't all that's there. And so what we're talking about here is the physical appearance of light and darkness on the surface. But it's also a spiritual question. It is. It's a spiritual question. What is the way to light, to heaven? Where's hell? Do you know the way to hell? Do you know the way to heaven? And so that's actually what I was looking at in my distraction. Because if we back up a couple of verses, God asks, do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Do you know what you just said? You just blew apart some... Faith's denial of hell. Because some, yep. some faiths do not believe there is a physical hell. Well, what, what else would be the gates of utter gloom? Psychological dimension. So, yes. So... There is a hell, folks. There is a hell. There's only one way into heaven. Every other way leads to hell. Choose Jesus. Take the narrow road. I implore you. And if you're listening to us, you probably already have. So, <laughs> There's a hint to the answer to this. Okay. And that is in Job 38, 36. In, again, the American Standard Version. Since you don't have it, I will read it to you, okay? Okay. 
who has put wisdom in the innermost or in the soul being in the innermost being and has given understanding to the mind who who has put wisdom into your soul so how do you determine the way to light well you have to get that information from god and how do you determine the way to the darkness don't ask god for directions <laughs> you choose you choose in both things wisdom will choose yep wisdom will choose however most people go about their life not even thinking about that there is a place of light and mm -hmm. that there's a place of darkness and there's once something is made by god it stays by god right so heaven is eternal yes and for those people who do not believe this hell is eternal as well oh it absolutely is it is um it is not there is no annihilation this is a there's a common there's a common teaching out there today that's called nihilism that's a theological term but basically it means that uh, souls that go to hell are only there for a period of time and then they cease to exist any longer and that's just not biblical Jesus Jesus wouldn't talk about weeping and gnashing of teeth if there right. wasn't weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right. The Bible wouldn't talk about a place of utter darkness if there wasn't a place like that. Right. Because if, in fact, Jesus mentions it, his Father mentions it, and if it didn't exist, then the whole Bible would not be credible either. Correct. So, yes, there is a hell, and those that choose it will be there for eternity. But God wants us to choose light. Do you know how this chapter ends? How does the chapter end? Speechless. That's oh, how it ends. Speechless. Yep. And who is speechless? Because you haven't gotten to chapter 39 yet. Who is speechless? Job is speechless. Job is speechless. Job is completely speechless. Can this, you, can you imagine? On. Can you imagine yourself having this conversation with God? And he's presented, what is it, 30, 38? 38 questions that you can't answer. Just in this chapter alone. And you couldn't answer one of them. Right. Where does that leave you? Speechless. It leaves me speechless. Leaves completely you, and totally speechless. Leaves you speechless. Do you think that God's intention was to reveal to Job how big God is versus how small Job is? Mm -hmm. Why do you think that's important? Why is that important to us today as human beings? 
Well, it gives us a proper perspective on God. Because we're really good at saying that God is all-powerful. We're not really good at understanding what all-powerful really means. And there is a there is a sermon that, at least for a time, was quite popular, and I still really like it, uh, given by a by a gentleman. His name is Louis Giglio, and the title I is know Louis Giglio, indescribable. Yes. Okay. And I have I have that DVD with the picture pictures the film. Yep. If you want to see it, I have it. I well, I've seen it multiple times. Okay. Um, I think I have a digital version of it actually. And but he goes through and he explains and describes just the grandeur of the universe, and then he brings it right back down to us. And then he turns and points at the cross. We may have a gentleman who's actually a retired, you do not know him, but he, he goes to our church. Okay. Okay. He's a retired biophysicist. Okay. And he has a great presentation of the God of the universe. Ooh, and, now I'm intrigued. And I've asked him to bring his materials and his slides and his films from all of his research for all the years that he's done this mm -hmm. and do a class for adults next fall. Okay. And he's considering it. Hey, that would be awesome. And one of these days that when he comes to church and you're available, I will introduce him to you. Okay. Okay. You got to understand he's older today. He may not look like he's anybody at all, but he is very much a somebody that we should hear. All right. I look forward to that. Okay. So there's a couple of things that I was kind of surprised of when I was reading this chapter. It's left Job speechless. That, that's how it ends. It's leaving Job speechless. And God's going to continue his challenge to him but there was a couple of these questions that jumped out at me. I'd like to hear what jumped out at you. Okay, I'm going to start with the one that you just read. Okay. Okay, because in the New Living Translation, it says, who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? Like I said before, I read it in the Christian Standard, um, and that verse reads, who put wisdom in the heart or gave the mind understanding? Well, that just makes me think of a time when God did give wisdom to the mind and understanding to the heart. When Solomon prayed for it. Did not Adam have that in the beginning? At not, not in the same way, but yes. But Solomon made the great sacrifice and God said, God told him, ask what you will and it'll be granted. And Solomon asked for wisdom. And God gave him wisdom and understanding as well as the fame and the fortune that most of us would have do you asked know, for. Do you know in this passage you're reading, mm -hmm. do you know what the connection to the questions that God is asking Job, how are they linked to Adam? 
there's a link between the questions that God is asking Job that goes all the way back to Adam. And what's that? God is asking the questions mm -hmm. about very specific things, especially right. the animals. Right. And he had names for the animals, but mm -hmm. he gave Adam the charge to take dominion and for him to name the animals. Right. So he is using the names of the animals that Adam gave those animals, mm -hmm. okay? So God made them, but Adam named them. Where's Job in this whole thing? A couple thousand years down the road. Or about a thousand, I suppose. About a thousand. About a thousand right. years down the road. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, okay, so to go back, who, who put wisdom in the heart, gave understanding to the mind? Well, God did, right? God gave that wisdom and understanding to Solomon in that story. The next one, and I'm just going to stick with the Christian standard here because, like I said, that's what I was reading out of. 39, going down the line here. Can you hunt prey for a lioness or satisfy the appetite of young lions when they crouch in their dens and lie in wait within their lairs? No, but God can. And he did. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den mm -hmm. and he closed their mouths. They didn't eat him. They didn't attack him. And then the last one, the last verse, verse 41, is really what triggered this for me. It made me go through and reread and kind of and find these other things. Because he asks about the ravens. Who provides the ravens food when the young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? And what struck me on this is that he's asking who can provide the food for the ravens? And while you could go forward, and Jesus says that, um, what does Jesus say? Who provides the foods for the ravens? And uh, Jesus points out that they don't plant or harvest or anything, and they still have food, and how much more God loves us. That's actually not where I went. I thought about Elijah. And when Elijah was on the run from Ahab and Jezebel, a raven fed him. A raven brought him food. Mm -hmm. And so he was wandering. He was crying out to God. He was asking God to kill him. End it. Just be done. Let, can we just be done with this, please, God? We've heard Job say the same thing. Yep. And what does God do? God sends him a raven with some food says, here you go, have a snack, take a nap, you'll feel better in a little bit. <laughs> Oftentimes, we don't understand something. We right. don't understand the fact that we are in the balance of God's time. Yes, we are. And the battle is not about us. The battle is between Satan and God. 
which Job is a victim. He's an example of it. Yep. And the fact is, is the book exists to let us know that there is something greater in the universe. There's spiritual forces at play in the universe that have an effect upon our lives. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is that God wins. Yes, he does. It doesn't mean that he wins what doesn't win without a fight. Because he and his angels and Jesus Christ, they're in the fight for our lives. Jesus made the supreme sacrifice so our lives could be saved. Right. Because without his sacrifice, there wouldn't be any salvation. Now, the salvation that most men think about is staying alive to live another day to make another buck. But yep. the salvation that Jesus Christ came to earth and died for was for our eternal salvation, not for the mere number of few years we have on this earth with the test and the trials and the suffering of Satan's world, mm -hmm. but to show us his full love and all of his gifts by expressing his mercy and grace to us while we're still sinners so we can be at home with him in his heaven where Satan is not allowed. And if Satan isn't allowed, all these things that we call trials and tribulations, they'll just pass away and we'll remember them no more. Right. And that is the purpose of why Job exists. Oh, when we get to Job 42, remember I told you that I couldn't understand why the writers of the Bible which was basically the King James Commission, right? included Job in this Bible when this Bible is really all about God and his chosen people who are the Jews. I found the link to the Jews in Job in the last chapter, and I will be revealing how Job is related to the Jews, which should surprise everyone. I very much look forward to that surprise. I am going to give you a clue. Okay. The clue is I want you to look at his three daughters when he was restored to his position, and I want you to look at the meaning of the names of the three daughters. The meaning of the names of the three daughters. Because you know that Jewish people assign names to children that have meanings. Yes. Yes, I do which is part of the reason why God changes people's names at different points in time. Well, Dustin, what do you think is the most important thing for us to know? Well, in the grand scheme of things, I think the most important thing for us to know is the gospel, the truth. Which is? Which is that Jesus as God condescended to earth in human form to live a perfect, blameless, sinless life and to take on the punishment then for all of our sins, to conquer death, to rise again in victory over death and to ascend into heaven where he waits to come again in judgment in the last days. And he did all those things so that we could receive salvation, 
so that we could experience the love of God, the creator God, the one and only God, and have a relationship with him where we get to spend eternity with him in heaven and then on the new earth forever and ever and ever and ever. And the Bible says we are not alone. We are not alone. From the rising of the sun, when we go up, when we wake up, mm -hmm. to the setting of the sun, when we go to sleep, all day long, mm -hmm. every day, every minute, every breath, we are not alone. We are not alone. Because God is with us. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is in us. So we are not alone. Never, ever. All right. I think we should cut it off there, Steve. That's where I'm done with my notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so very much for this conversation today. Always a pleasure. Next message is 41. Next message will be we're 41. Jump, we're jumping to 41. All right. We're jumping to 41, but read 39 as well. There is, there's good stuff in there. We're just jumping ahead to 41. Well, read 42. You can read the whole book if you like. Read the whole book. <laughs> read the whole book. Don't skip 39 and 40 just because we're skipping the lesson to 41. I'll just put it that way. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Mm -hmm.